And there's no worship without surrenderedness. That's the hallmark of our worship. When we say, Lord, take my life and let it be. That's the hallmark of our worship. Lift your hands to him this morning. And just give him some worship all over this place. Wave those hands to him. Lord, we bless your name. 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 We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus, we have worship. Sweet Holy Spirit, we ask that you have your way in all of our three services today. We ask that you move in the midst of us. We ask, everlasting Father, that you charge this arena with your power. Let everyone that will come into this place today, young and old, male and female, have a definite encounter with your presence. Let no one be the same again. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence that is already here. We ask that you feel us afresh this morning. Do the things that only you can do in our lives. And let your name be glorified. Sweet Holy Spirit, charge your word with power today. Let it minister grace to every hearer. Let your gifts be in manifestation. Let men be blessed this day. Let women be blessed this day. Let our children be blessed. And let your name be glorified. We give you glory and praise. In the precious name of Jesus. Somebody shout a believing amen. Come on, shout a believing amen. If you're excited to be in God's presence this morning, put those hands together and let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate. Come on, come on. You're not doing it very well. You're not doing it very well. Let's celebrate Jesus all over this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't you look around? Just look around first. Look at beautiful people all around you. And then if you, if you, you want to be nice this morning, shake hands with somebody and welcome somebody to church. If you haven't seen that face before, just ask them how they're doing. Praise God. Praise God. I said, praise God. All right. Uh, how was your week? How was your week? How was your week? I can't hear you. How was your week? I declare that as we step into a new week from today, God will visit you in the name of Jesus. Whatever you've been running after uh, that is already ordained for your destiny, I declare this morning that they will start to run after you in the precious name of Jesus. Uh, goodness and mercy are supposed to run after you. And I declare this morning they will start to run after you this week. Uh, there shall be a definite testimony. God will show up for you in every way this week in the precious name of Jesus. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23, uh, from verse 22, it was talking about the mercies of God. And he said, if not, of the mercies of God will have been consumed. He said, his compassion fails not. And in verse 23, he says, they are new every morning, for great is his faithfulness. Talking about the mercy and the compassion of our God. God is addicted to new, new, new. Romans chapter 7, verse 6, the Bible talks about the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of the letter. And as believers, we need to understand that God is, you know, always, he just has, you know, this penchant for newness, for new. 
And before I go into the word this morning, I just have this word for someone here uh, that God wants to do something new in your life. Uh, This is not just those words of encouragement. I'm bringing you a definite word from the Lord. And I want you to hear me and hear me well this morning. God wants to do something new in your life. And there's something about the move of God. It rests upon the expectations of your heart. Is somebody still with me this morning? So someone is going to, into this new week and you need to expect something new. And I'm not just talking to everybody. Someone who has been holding on you know, to something that in heaven's agenda has been reckoned with to be hold, obsolete. Something that should no longer have effect over your mind and your spirit. But they're still strong on your mind. They still have a very strong effect over your spirit. It's time that you let go. Because he said, you, you, you know, he said, remember not the former thing, nor the things of hold. He said, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. And for that one person that I'm talking to here this morning, you just need to be able to let go of what has been reckoned with to be obsolete in God's scheme of things. And God said, He will do a new thing in your life. Do you receive that this morning? I don't know who I'm speaking to, but it's so strong in my heart. Uh, you know, uh, some, some, someone here this morning who has, you know, completely written off something. It just doesn't happen like that for us or for me. That's not our way. God wants to do something new in your life. I said, God wants to do something new in your life. Uh, and as you believe and step out in faith this week, I see God showing up for you. In the precious name of Jesus. I said, in the precious name of Jesus. Uh, say, believing, amen. amen. Uh, say, better, amen. amen. Praise God. I said, praise God. I said, praise God. Look at your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor the limit breaker is here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but something is just, is just uh, you know, building up in my spirit. Uh, I cannot explain it, but I just really, really, uh, very strongly believe that God wants to do something specifically unusual in the life of someone here. I can't hear that. Amen. Amen. I said God wants to do something specifically unusual in the life of someone here. Say better amen. Say better amen. Tell your neighbor, say look at me very well. God is at work in my life. I'll say it again. Say, God is at work in my life. He's doing something new. He's doing something new in my life. I'll say, you haven't seen it before, but you are going to see it. Praise God. The Bible says, while we behold faintly as in a glass the glory of God, it said we are chained. We are transformed, renewed. That's our anchor scripture for this year. 
Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen were changed, were transformed, uh, uh, renewed as by the Spirit of God. And when you say something is new or renewed or transformed, it's like something new has been added to it. All right. If I so if I say I want to transform my car, is either I'm changing the tires or giving it a new coat of paint. Is somebody stay with me this morning? Something new has to come in for there to be a transformation. If I said I'm having a transformed life, it means maybe uh, uh, my behavior has changed. Uh, a new behavior has come. You know, something new. Something has changed. Something has changed. I'm sharing this morning what I've titled The Limit Breaker. The Limit Breaker. I'm presenting the Holy Spirit to us as our limit breaker. The Holy Spirit is the limit breaker. He's the one that helps me to break my limits. And without the limit breaker, you cannot get into the new, the new things that God wants to do. And God started staring my heart this morning about the new thing that he wants to do in your life. Uh, I'm trusting God that it's for everybody, but I don't know if it's for everybody. But at least I brought you a word this morning that's for everybody. As in what I'm sharing. But the first word I gave, I, don't, I, I know that it's a specific word for someone here. And when you understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit as your limit breaker, then you will embrace him better. A lot of us are not cultivating our relationship with the Holy Spirit because we don't understand what he wants to do in our lives. Or what his assignment is. Why would I behave myself around my earthly father when I was younger and I was in school? Because I knew he had an assignment in my life to pay my school fees. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Now, if you grew up uh, with a pseudo father or, a, or somebody who adopted you, or maybe an uncle who took responsibility for you, you behave yourself around them also because you know they have an assignment in your life. Am I, am I communicating? Some of us have, uh, quote and unquote, godfathers. Or people who are always there for us. Or somebody's listening to me this morning. Somebody got you your first job. Somebody gave you, you know, the seed money to start your business. You don't behave anyhow around such people. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, people who always sort you out. Who always have, you know, some good thing to do around you. You, you, you don't behave yourself anyhow around them. And yet, we behave ourselves anyhow around the Holy Spirit. Because we do not recognize it's assignment in our lives. Because when you understand someone's assignment in your life, wisdom demands that you honor them, that you give them respect and their rightful place. Is somebody still with me this morning? In fact, some of us honor people who sought us out physically in the things of life more than we honor the Holy Spirit. Who is here to sort us out here and he will be the one to sort us out on that day. And the Bible calls him our helper. Jesus said, I'll send you another helper, another comforter. I remember starting out this series, I said, the Holy Spirit, therefore, is the one that has been sent to make life easy for the believer. He is the number one helper of destiny of the believer. And if I don't recognize his assignment in my life, it affects how I embrace his ministry, his service to me. And this morning, 
I want to present the Holy Spirit to you as your limit breaker. Your limit breaker. When was the last time you broke your limit? That you, you know, you know when you, for instance, like what you are seeing on the screen, when you have a car, the car has the speed limit, all right? Yeah, if you have a really solid engine, um, you know, real machine, some of them can do up to 300 uh, miles per hour or, or 300 kilometers, yeah. If you have a really, really slim engine, you're going to be talking about like 130. You know, all those cars that wind can carry on the expressway. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see a motorbike, just go past them and it's a car. <laughs> God help you. Praise God. Yeah. So you, when, you, when you put that kind of car on the road, you respect yourself. Yeah, because you know your limit. <laughs> You don't press the thing anyhow. Let me just tell you, you are, you are overstretching me. And you just press the thing and the thing will not move again. And have, instead of moving, it will start to slow down. And if you are in the middle of a place like Todd Milan Bridge, then you have to speak in tongues. Praise God. To, to boost the efficacy of the... <laughs> and that's what happens. See, when we begin to fail in the things of life, when simple things, you, you stall on the same besetting sin, the same habit is holding you down. You, you find it difficult to commit to God in a new dimension. Or you lack wisdom. The Bible calls him the spirit of wisdom. He also calls him the spirit of counsel. Counsel is the ability to make the right judgment. And when you talk about judgment, you're talking about two things. You know, in the law court, you have the, the plaintiff and the, what do you call the second person? The appellant, yeah? The dependent, oh, okay, please. They, they, they have so many names. But in, in simple words, what it means is this. Somebody complained about somebody. And we have to be able to understand who is saying the right thing. Or who is right. So we call it judgment. The ability to apportion. Based on rightness. Priority. And order. That's the spirit that we carry. It gives us the capacity to apportion. And to make decision. Based on what is right. And what will lead us to our destiny. And the one that will slow us down. Decisions that we will make today and will cause trouble for us in the future. The Holy Spirit wants to save us from those decisions. Decisions that we we'll make today, the Bible says the fathers have, you know, had sour grapes and the teeth of the children have been set on hedges. Or on hedge. So that, 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 that's the decisions that we we'll make today and our children will suffer for it. The Holy Spirit wants to save us from such decisions. And he is our limit breaker. So whatever limit nature has placed on you, whatever limit background has placed on you, whatever limit that the flesh has placed on you, whatever limit that even the law has placed on us, like, like uh, Paul was writing in the book of Romans chapter 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for them who are in the spirit, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Romans chapter 8, uh, 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 verse 1. 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He said, according, he said, uh, but according to the spirit, he said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So uh, the Holy Spirit is therefore a limit breaker. It breaks the limit that the law has set for us. It breaks the limit that our mind is trying to set for us. It breaks the limit that background sets for us. So if, even if somebody, nobody in my family has done what I'm trying to do before, the Holy Spirit is my limit breaker. So I, I don't depend on what has been done in my family. I depend on the efficacy of the Holy Spirit. Say amen, somebody. Look at somebody, this, look, look at your neighbor this morning and tell your neighbor, I have the Holy Spirit. Or say, I carry the Holy Spirit. Or come on, say it again. Say, I carry the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know this morning, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 and 8, I have a translation here that says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. But says it, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Can I have that on the screen, please? Romans 8, uh, verse 7 and 8. Please, quickly. You need to help me to preach this morning. So, it, 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 it says that the carnal mind is enmity to God. Don't try to look for my translation. Just give me my New King James, please. Just give me my New King James. Don't, don't look for any translation for me. If I need a specific translation, I'm going to tell you. So listen to me very quick, uh, very well. Uh, New King James says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And verse 8 says, uh, that it says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I need somebody here this morning to understand that in my flesh, notwithstanding how good I try to be, I cannot please God. The flesh is not wired to please God. It takes working with the Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to take charge of my life, embracing the infilling of the Holy Spirit, becoming a person of the Spirit who has yielded to the Holy Spirit, for me to truly please God. Are you still with me this morning? And when you fast track to verse 26 of the same Romans 8, it talks about the kind of help that we have in the Holy Spirit. So in Romans uh, um, 8 and verse 26, it says, Likewise, we do not know how to pray as we ought. He said, But the Spirit helps our infirmity. And Paul, so as Galilee here, was writing about uh, uh, prayer. But it's more than prayer. It's more than prayer. The Spirit helps our weakness in every area of life. And that's how we break our limit. When we agree that his assignment in our lives is to help us in the places where we are weak. So because of the weakness of the flesh, there are things I may never be able to see or understand or comprehend. But the Holy Spirit Therefore, steps in when I'm yielded to him, when I portray myself as someone that is dependent on him to be able to do the things that in the flesh I'll really never be able to do. So, he helps me in prayer. He helps me in many other areas of life. The, the two points are here this morning that I have for us to ponder on. The first one is that the work of the Spirit in, in the life of the believer, you know, uh, 
is compared to the effect of mood and behavior altering substances like alcohol. We need to think about that very well. You know, mood and behavior altering substances like alcohol. That's how uh, the Bible compares the effect of the Holy Spirit on us. It's our limit breaker. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, when you read from verse 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein there's excess or dissipation. But it said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. One translation says, be being filled, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and its effect in the life of the believer is compared to mood and behavior altering, the effect of mood and behavior altering substances. And what, what, what does alcohol do to people who like to dwell on it? It alters. It helps them to break their limits. Is somebody say with me this morning? So the things that you didn't have enough boldness to say when you were your normal self, when you took one or two shots of vodka, what happens to you? You just begin to vomit. As in, as in I don't mean vomit literally, but you, you, you run mouth diarrhea, they call it. Your mouth just has to run. And you don't, you, you don't, you, at that time, you don't care who is sitting or who is standing, or who is present or who is absent. Even if the president of Nigeria is sitting down, you say your mind. Why? Because you are not your, your, yourself at that time. Something came upon you that broke your limit. How you understand what I'm saying? So it's not about who is present or who is absent. Even if your pastor is there, it doesn't matter. You say your mind. And you say it in such a way that everybody will know that this is not ordinary. Because you say it with such a level of audacity. And boldness. People will know something is talking behind the person. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You declare things that people will hold their head or cover their face in shock and amazement, wondering what's wrong with this guy? That's what the Bible compares the effect of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer with. Mood and behavior altering substances. Never tasted cocaine before. But I, I, I don't have to wish because the Holy Spirit has moved me before. And I know how it feels. Uh, Pity was uh, talking, making reference to you know, some of the things he's seen me you know, do in the past. Um, while, while we were both, you know, undergraduates, there was a time that the entire university was invested with, you know, courtism and all that. And there was a particular guy, I'll never forget, a particular guy. They call his name Darkness. That was his nickname. Yeah. I, I don't know his name from, I mean, I don't know any other name, but that's the name. And everybody, including the bachelor, called him Darkness. And there was somebody that everybody knew. Even the senate of the school recognized him as darkness. That was how bad. Am I saying the truth, Pity? That was how bad the guy was. A guy that would leave the university campus and then go and part- participate in plane hijacking. You know the plane that was hijacked during the Abiola election? How many people can remember? You know there was a plane hijacking during that time, that June 12th era. Yeah, it's long and maybe some of us are not reckoning with history. This guy was part of the people who hijacked that plane and was an undergrad. 
Now, I was, <laughs> I was coming out of my hall of residence one day. Never met him before. Didn't know who he was. And then someone, one of my uh, fellowship members, a young lady, and a beautiful lady, so guys go around her a lot, and she just started coming to fellowship. So I saw her talking to a guy. And I just walked up to her, shook her hand. How are you doing? Uh, were you in fellowship on Thursday, you know, and all that? I just started talking. The guy was standing and just looking at me. The truth was that one thing I didn't notice was that everyone who saw both of them standing talking took a different direction. People don't cross paths with this guy. You, in, on, in that school, you're not born well to see him coming on a narrow path and face that narrow path and walk across. I walked up there, greeted the lady, and then the lady said, uh, uh, Pastor, meet. <laughs> Actually, they funkified the name. They call him Daki. Yeah. And that, that's the name he, he, he bore, you know. So the lady introduced him to me. I stretched forth my hand and I shook his hand. I said, how are you doing? He looked at me. He was still looking at me. And I said, what audacity. Shook his hand very well. Looked at him in the face. I can't remember the things I said, but I spoke some things to him to the effect that he needed a change of life. And I walked away. And from that day, we became friends. So when he's coming and people are, you know, going like this, I go straight to him and shook his hand. Yeah, I just went straight to him, shook his hand, and just challenged him. One day, very early in the morning, um, after he had been arrested for that plane hijacking and was on bail, he knocked the door of my room early in the morning when he got back to school and came, came to see me. I used to live in the staff quarters, the boys' quarters. Then he came and said, Pastor, I need to see you. This and this and this is what is happening in my life. And I just needed to pray with me. And that day I spoke to myself. I said, you know, for the Holy Spirit that gave me the boldness. My classmates in engineering school, they were telling me that I didn't like my life. Because some of them saw me talking to the guy. You know, the issue is this. It's not just about the guy. It's about the many other court groups that are against him. And so if you shook his hand... It's like you, are, you have something to do with him. And he can come after you. And when I realized that, what did I do? I, uh, there was a day they, they macheted and shot like two guys. And I got angry in my spirit. Because I still will still remember. And I called as many people as available together. Christians and members of our fellowship. And I said, today, we're going all around this campus as many places as we can touch. We're going to anoint every spot and declare an end to courtism. As at the time I was leaving that school, they couldn't even raise their head again. There's power. There's the anointed every spot. The place where they marcheted that guy, where his blood was on the ground, I anointed that place. We spoke in tongues in that place for like 15, 20 minutes, declaring that this will not happen again if we remain here. As long as we are here as people who carry the Holy Ghost and dislodge the spiritual atmosphere of that place. Everywhere that we went, almost everywhere we went, they shut down the places. Even the student union building, for some time they shut the place down. 
We then started having Bible study, Holy Ghost meetings, and student union buildings. Because people didn't have the mind to come back again. You understand? They took away all their snooker tables, you know, everything. So we will be coming back from class and we say, uh, let's, let's share the word at SUB. Let's meet there. So we'll meet there, sit down, and share the word, pray in tongues. Before then, when I was a year one student, if you call yourself a believer, you cannot enter the student union building. Because they're smoking weed, smoking any kind of thing that is possible. Just entering the place, demember you from the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, as far as Christians were concerned. That was how bad it was. You, you really couldn't see your face when you entered. Because they, they smoked there. <laughs> as in when I was in year one. Praise God. I'm just talking to the end that you understand that what I'm sharing this morning is not what I have not experienced. I wasn't the kind of person who uh, would stand and talk like this many years ago. But for the Holy Spirit. And for everyone who will come under his influence, you can break your limit. You can literally break your limit. You can break your limit. You can't break your limit. As a roundup, I'm going to examine the life of Peter, the apostle, and what happened in his life pre and post Pentecost. Peter understood my second point this morning, uh, which is that you have a choice either to embrace the help of the Holy Spirit and seek his indwelling presence or remain in the flesh and lack the ability to please God. And the courage to break your limits in your earthly work with him. You have a choice. That's the choice for every believer. You can say, I can't go beyond this level. I just, you know, this, this sin is okay. Or this, this, you know, cheating on my spouse is okay. Or this, you know, this timidity is okay. You know, this lack of power with God in prayer is okay. And the devil treats me anyhow. Or I engage the Holy Spirit and understand that with him, that the scripture says, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I can break my limits with the help of the Holy Spirit. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Uh, say better amen, somebody. Amen. Now, I want us to quickly examine what happened to Peter, the great apostle, pre and post Pentecost. Uh, before I go into that, I, I, I love to describe Pentecost this way. Uh, Pentecost is not supposed to be a very uh, tedious word. Jesus was crucified just before uh, the Passover. The Passover happened to be the, 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 the ceremony to, that commemorates the, how do I put it now, the, the exit of the Jews uh, from Egypt, their deliverance from Egypt. And it's something that they celebrate every year. So Jesus actually went into Jerusalem when he rode on the, on the court and they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna. It was an assembly. It was, uh, people were coming together. The, the, the Pharisees and the chief priests 
felt that his presence there may cause trouble. And the Roman government warned them, if there's any chaos at your ceremony, we will shut the place down. And that may even be the end. You won't mark this again. That was why the cruise marked him seriously. I'm, talk, I'm telling you now about the story of Easter. That was why the cruise marked him seriously and said, look, we need to get this guy. Now, because Herod has warned them, he had warned them that if there's any uprising again, we'll shut down all your ceremonies. So they, 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 didn't, they didn't go after him, you know, just because they, they wanted to safeguard anything serious. They wanted to safeguard the routines, the religious rites, things that Jesus castigated and told the people, this is supposed to become better. Now, what did they do? They, they eventually got Jesus. He was crucified and he died and rose on the third day. And his disciples started to say, look, we met the master, you know, and all that. But he gave a promise in John 15, John 16. He spoke about the fact that uh, the Holy Spirit will, call, will, will every, everyone that will believe in him, he said, for instance, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible says that he spake concerning the Holy Spirit, which everyone that believed in him shall receive. Seven weeks after that Passover weekend, 50, 50 days after. Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover. So the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was not like they gave a specific date that the Holy Spirit was going to come. No. Pentecost there was not really uh, um, the day that the Holy Spirit has been assigned for the Holy Spirit to come in the natural. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's like saying that um, um, uh, which, okay, October 1st, Independence Day. Yeah. To say that, and when Independence Day came, that same day, something happened. Because today when we say Pentecost, we just say it like, oh, they knew, or you see, because the Spirit comes in and it has an agenda in your life. They were just together in one place, in one accord. Maybe next Sunday I'm going to share more about that. How you cultivate uh, the, 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 the move of the Spirit in your life. Or maybe, maybe on Wednesday. I'm, I'm sure we're moving on to something else next Sunday. But how, how do you continually be in that mood where you are filled with the spirit all the time. They were just worshiping. They were just, you know, in the upper room just doing stuff. And the Bible says all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2, says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, the, the disciples were together in one place in one accord, and all of a sudden, the spirit came in and filled the place where they were. And so, what Ezekiel prophesied about, what Joel prophesied about, what Isaiah prophesied about, all of a sudden, started to happen to them. And all the experiences in the Old Testament cannot be compared with what happened to them on the day of Pentecost. And what will happen to those of us who will ride on the event of the day of Pentecost. Are you still with me this morning? Now, don't forget, in the Old Testament, some of the things that they experienced in the Old Testament, some of us have not even experienced it. Uh, was it Elijah or Elisha uh, um, who outran the chariot of Ahab? Elijah. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him. And he outran somebody who was running with his leg, outran a chariot. And got to the gate of Jezreel before 
prepared. Samson, not with his physical power. I don't know how much power somebody, how much biceps you can have, and then you pull down a pillar. Go and try it. I'm serious. Go and try it. You can't even pull this tent down with your, with your biceps, not, not a, let alone a pillar. The Holy Spirit came upon him. It had effects on his physical strength. And all that put together, all the demonstrations in the Old Testament, put together, culminated into a new brief completely. The brief that Jesus gave was different. It was like, the only thing I can describe it with is when you, when, think about a dam. I read about a particular dam. They call it Aswan High Dam in Egypt. The Aswan High Dam, I'm not sure we have anything close to it in Nigeria because of its, you know, what it's able to produce. Ten billion megawatt or 10 billion kilowatt hour. That's what it produces. This, they dammed the same river now that you read about in Prince of Egypt. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Or that you saw. In the 70s, they dammed that river. When the river was dammed, it's the same river where they fished, where they had fun, where they drank the water, just like you have it in the Old Testament where people just do stuff with the Holy Ghost. But at the day of Pentecost, something changed. When this dam was commissioned, the effect of it, the power that came from it, was enough to light up every city in Egypt, in the country of Egypt. One dam. And that was what the Holy, the, God did with, with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Change the brief completely. John said, the one that will come after me, he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. That sounds to me like 10 billion watts or something. You know, we just changed the brief completely. And some of us still live as if we're, we're living in the Old Testament, where the Holy Spirit just shows up once in a while. You know, and we just drink a glass, and we just uh, we, we fish inside the river. We do. It's more than that. It's a completely new brief. And the, the, one, of, one of the guys who partook of the first, which is like the commissioning day, the dedication day of the new brief, this, this new dam, was Peter. Now, before that time, prior to that time, let me read what had happened to Peter. In John 18, verse 15 to 17, the Bible says that, and Simon Peter followed Jesus. This was after he had been arrested, after Jesus was arrested. And so did another disciple. Now the disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciples, disciple who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door, a servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, who, uh, who said to Peter, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. When you jump to verse 25 of the same John 18, now Simon Peter stood, warm, 
stood and warmed himself. Therefore, they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Then look at this again. Next verse. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose hair Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? When you brought out your sword. Are you not the one who cut my cousin's hair? Peter then denied again. And immediately, the rooster crowed. I don't know how you are living your Christian life now. Maybe like Peter, you do it three times, four times, ten times a day, just denying Jesus everywhere. You denied him when you signed documents. You deny him in your dealings with your spouse. You deny Jesus day to day. Timid, lily livered, unable to deliver on God's expectation for your life. You need a shot of the Holy Ghost. Because this same Peter who denied Jesus three times, almost consecutively, back to back, even though the Holy Spirit was, you know, pricking his conscience at those material points in time, but I guess Peter did not have enough fortitude, you know, not enough strength in his inner man. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us strength in our inner man. It's what your inner man can carry that determines what you deliver in real life. And where we get strength for our inner man is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That same Peter, in Acts chapter 2, when you read from verse 14, Peter was speaking. He said, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice. He didn't whisper. He raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk. As you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Peter said, look, the same Peter that was, you know, little livered and timid. Who could not say, I know Jesus, I'm one of the disciples. Whatever you want to do to me, do. Now stood, you know, in the open square with crowd. Because that day, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. So it must have been a huge crowd. When the Holy Ghost came, the place was in a bit of commotion. And people were speaking all kinds of you know, languages. And so they attracted. And Peter stood. That same Peter. Now, with the Holy Ghost, stood. I said, men of Judea, men of Jerusalem. What you are seeing is not, people, are, these guys are not drunk. This is just the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. Because they start to count the hours of the day from 6 a.m. So he said, this is just the third hour of the day. This is 9 a.m. No man in his right senses will get drunk at 9 a.m. This was the word that was spoken by the prophet Joel. So the Peter who was swearing, <laughs> pre-Pentecost, who tried to protect himself, became the same Peter after being filled with the Holy Ghost, who prayed to a multitude of 3,000 people and was declaring the word and was now, that was Peter with preaching the word. What about you with preaching with your life? The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be that kind of person who can carry the grace of God everywhere you go. 
and you don't deny Jesus at will. You witness him to other people. You're not the one who denies Jesus at every opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, as I bring this uh, message to a close, I want to challenge people here this morning, everyone here this morning, to, to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life. To allow him to fill you afresh, to submit yourself to him. To recognize him as your helper. To recognize him as your limit breaker. To recognize him as the one that can help you to stand and fulfill God's mandate over your life. It's actually impossible without his help. If it were to be possible without his help, Jesus would not have sent him. It's impossible without his help. And what you don't understand today, it takes the Holy Spirit to explain it to you. I don't know what happened to Peter, but Peter definitely moved from one level of knowledge to another. Just by the Holy Spirit. Because we understand God, first and foremost, through precepts, commandments. Thou shalt not walk like this, thou shalt walk like that, thou shalt, you know, uh, you know, do this and not do that. That's where we start from. And then from there we move to principles. We begin to see when God says, thou shalt not steal. It's not because he had money that he wanted you to not to steal. It rides on the principle of respect and honor. So if I respect my neighbor, I will not take what belongs to my neighbor. Am I saying the truth? That's how the Holy Spirit works in us. There are certain things you will still do in your life. As I'm speaking to you today, you, will, you, you are not able to believe that you will be able to do it. But it rides on the understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. I used to be a person that struggles to give to God. But when I got the understanding that the principle of giving stems from first and foremost the principle of honor 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 the lord with your substance and and the first fruit of all your increase is honor honor it's not about whether i have plenty or not it's honor and then secondly it also rides on the principle that i've taught earlier on this year seed time and harvest so honor first and then seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest is that what I give is able to, I mean, God is able to multiply it back to me. But it does not start from there. It starts first and foremost with the principle of honor. When the Holy Spirit starts to explain scriptures to you like that, you that you struggle to give God what belongs to him today, you do it freely. Because with the help of the Holy Spirit. I hope somebody understand what I'm talking about. And then we move from precepts, principles, to truly understanding God personally, knowing him personally, having real encounters with him. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, people can tell you that God is the over Rapha, our healer. But the day you see a growth disappear from your body, then it's no longer the God that you wrote about in the Bible, is your God that healed you. Are you still with me this morning? So you start to know him on a personal level. You know what he wants, how he behaves. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life and your life. Because the chief executive of the Godhead is the one that heals us to convict us about God's healing power. He's the one that helps me to renew my mind and possesses me to behave right so that I will know and understand God a little better. Is somebody still with me this morning? So if you struggle with anything right now, it's possible that the Holy Spirit has not given you the understanding. Some things can be taught. Some things can only be caught. They cannot be taught. 
they ride on revelation. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You can't teach a man how to stop sinning. The man needs to get a revelation. A personal revelation. Because it's not method. Some, some, some people and some denominations have taught these things as method. So if you look the particular way, if you do it in a particular way, you will not sin. No. It's revelation. And it comes by the help of the Holy Spirit. Lift your hand to Jesus this morning and tell him, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me, Holy Spirit. 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 Reveal yourself to me, Holy Spirit.